Hello everyone and welcome to The Thought Leader's Voice. I'm Rachel Kinsella, editor at iResearch Services and your host today. Our guest today is Simon Barnby, CMO at Archux, a company bringing to the table crypto assets, blockchain technology, combined with capital markets and traditional financial services expertise to create a unique platform. He's going to be telling us a little bit more about that later on. Simon's an internationally experienced executive, having worked for both entrepreneurial startups as well as US and UK headquartered global corporates. He spent much of his career in senior marketing roles, commercial and management, and financial services, specifically capital markets, and most recently in the fintech space, looking at crypto assets, blockchain-based financial platforms. Simon's got experience in strategic digital and traditional marketing, brand building, entrepreneurship, business development, project management, and international commerce, board level reporting, ownership and growth of significant revenue streams and budgets. So crucially in this specialist area of financial services, Simon's been actively involved in the design, launch, and support of trading systems across various, various asset classes. Perhaps rather helpful in achieving that, Simon has an electrical and electronic engineering degree. That's easy to say. <laughs> With a background spanning engineering, financial markets, the technical side of financial services, such as creating and building platforms, and of course, marketing at a senior level, Simon's wealth of business experience is key in addressing these new markets and leading the way in the crypto assets space. A warm welcome, Simon. Thank you for joining us today at this very busy time. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for the uh, great introduction. Very happy to be with you today. Great. Um, so we'll get straight into the questions. We've got quite a few to get through, um, if you're happy to, uh, to dive straight in. Um, you're gearing up for launching and operating in a niche market, which obviously takes careful and tailored marketing and communications. What types of mess messaging and branding strategies do you feel resonate best with your target audiences? Yeah, I guess um, there's a there's a number of facets to to that question. I mean, first, uh, you know, I guess you know we're a startup in the true sense of the word. Um, it's a, a new market, and we're a new offering in a in a new market. Um, and you know, we've spent the last uh, well three years really raising money for ourselves to uh, to to grow the business, and also building out our technology platform ready for launch, and also getting the regulation in place, which uh, which we need um, to be able to operate the services that, that we're launching later this year. And um, technology builds and regulation applications in particular cost quite a bit of money as well as time and effort. Um, and, and so, you know, we've had we haven't uh, had resource to really spend on marketing, particularly because the funds we have have been very much focused on the technology build and the regulation. Um, however, having said that, you know we've been keen to establish a profile in the marketplace and build a brand and everything. So, um, you know, the sort of more traditional routes that might be available to a larger, more established player have not been available to us, which in a way is quite uh, refreshing because it means you have to think of things a little bit differently. So, you know, we've made extensive use of digital marketing um, because it's obviously you know much more uh, it was cheaper and efficient and quick and you can get instant measurement of results um, we've made a lot of uh, uh, use of things like social media 
building network le well, leveraging networks of people that we already know and then building out new networks of people through things like twitter and linkedin um you know uh, social media platforms that are quite accepted in in the in the space so yeah digital has been very important but also the the conference um series is that used to take place prior to the pandemic they're about to kick in again after the summer we hope but obviously not much has been happening except virtually for the last uh, 18 months or so um, but certainly prior to that we we were went to a lot of conferences you know because it's a great place to meet um in a concentrated way a whole load of people who are interested in a relevant space so it's a great way as i say to meet them to network with them to build networks and to sort of you know uh, communicate with them and and present uh, the our uh, our tracks and our brand and story to them um so a lot of sort of activities around all those different areas really um but then as we prepare for launch um the, the focus will shift and we will then start to you know instigate more proactive marketing campaigns more sort of traditional style marketing campaigns maybe leveraging the network that we built but uh, but using more marketing in a in a in a more proactive way the other area just to sort of finish the other facet just to finish the sort of the, the answer off is you know we're also selling to quite a niche audience so you know our target marketplace is people involved in financial markets both traditional and um and digital and crypto and you know that is quite a niche audience you know you can't use sort of broad brush marketing campaigns you can't sort of um do the things you might be able to do if, if it was a more retail play or it was a more b2b but in a in a more general market segment so again you know we we have to be very focused in what we do because obviously every every sort of uh, all the money you spend you know you have to justify it and and sort of broad brush uh marketing that doesn't that isn't focused enough just doesn't really pay for itself Absolutely. And I think so it's been all that groundwork, building the relationships, um, building the network and the uh, and the contacts, um, but again, in a very targeted way. Um, and then potentially an opportunity to be a little bit more creative in terms of digital marketing and uh, personalizing that in the right way and, and making sure that it's targeted to to your niche audience. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in terms of the kind of the materials that we've produced that we have distributed in a in sort of using sort of digital techniques and social media and the like again we've made sure it, it, it's pretty targeted we haven't um produced lots of the materials that just go on about ourselves too much you know that kind of um sort of advertising yourself uh, we don't feel resonates with the audience we're targeting these people right. that we're trying to reach they're very time poor they're busy people uh, you got to get you got to you got to reach out to them with a message that resonates and catches their attention as and is of interest or benefit to them um, so we very much focus on the challenges and, and opportunities that people face out in the capital market space generally and also the interesting sort of opportunities that new digital and crypto um, techniques and, and concepts like tokenization and you know new instruments like Bitcoin the sort of new that those new things they they uh, we focus on those kind of uh, materials so um, you know extensive use of sort of you know articles that we then push out on uh, um, platforms like LinkedIn and medium 
Um, we, you know, we have used quite a lot, quite a, a few press releases, but again, focusing on the people that we're working with and the benefits that we're bringing rather than just talking about ourselves all the time. And, and often, you know, when we're out and about at, at conferences and meetups, when, when they were happening, sort of promoting the fact that we are there and people can come and meet us and, and, you know, finding ways to connect and build the network through a combination of physical presence at events and, and sort of social media and digital activity. Yeah. So it's really a case of showcasing that market knowledge and understanding, highlighting the challenges and opportunities um, and building out the, the, the capabilities and, and, and showing what, what's on offer, because it, it is quite a, a unique platform that you're, you're building. Um, so I guess so you know that that educational piece is, is really important. And um, I think we'll touch on that again uh, later on, thought leadership, education, um, content marketing focus. Um, but one of the, the key areas, I think, um, financial services and fintech uh, companies are, are seeing as a, as a challenge, um, but also potentially a, an opportunity uh, is regulation. And um, building that credibility through regulation and, uh, and certification um, and also providing education on, on what that means. Um, it, it's something that obviously is prevalent across f- traditional financial services and they've been dealing with a whole host of regulation for, for a, a decade or so plus. Um, and increasingly, uh, fintech companies are, are facing uh, similar challenges. What's your experience of it? Yeah, I mean, I think um, uh, a couple of key points there, really. I mean, the first, uh, you know, regulation. I mean, we um, the concept behind Archax is that, you know, we the, the core team, we all come from traditional financial markets. So we understand that regulated institutional um, traditional financial markets world. Yes. But also big believers in crypto, uh, blockchain, uh, instruments like Bitcoin that have pioneered new ways of doing things and the whole concept of tokenization, you know, creating tokenizing assets to create fractional ownerships, you know, in a natively digital way. So we kind of big believers in all of that. And mm-hmm. and the strategy for our track was really to build a bridge between that new cool crypto world and the more traditional regulated financial market space and actually mm-hmm. launch launch products and services that that leverage these new instruments these new concepts and package them up in ways that was a very that was very palatable to that traditional audience um, and and so regulation is a key part of that um, and we looked at what we needed to be regulated and we looked at where we could get regulated and you know there are smaller jurisdictions where it's maybe easier cheaper quicker to get regulated and you know there's nothing wrong with being regulated in those places however if you actually want to target kind of mainstream institutional financial markets participants then they certainly favor uh, venues or or providers of services that are regulated in key financial centers you know like london um so you know we went down that route of of getting regulated by the fca the financial conduct authority here in london and um you know it's a long journey i mean it took two years probably from start to finish and um and there's a lot of work involved um but it was it was um refreshing actually because when we started to talk to the regulator you know it was clear that they had thought about this the new things that were happening in um, the digital world the crypto world 
they had formed opinion about what elements of it fall under their should fall under their regulation and, and what elements don't. So they had a pretty clear picture, but they were yeah. pretty tough on you know requirements to operate in it. So as I say, it was a it was a long journey. But um, but yeah, we came out the other side of it towards the end of last year with the the regulations we need in place, which is a uh, um, uh, you know regulations as a digital asset exchange. Um, a, a, a brokerage and a and a, cust- and a, a regulated custodian, as well as their new crypto asset register, um, which ha- has come in recently. So we have everything we need in place, and in fact, it gives us a, a unique regulatory stack because no one else has that regulation. So on the one hand, you know, regulation can be frustrating because it kind of hinders uh, innovation or stifles it sometimes, and and you know, it can be a bit of a pain for the technologists who love the technology, but and uh, just want to use it but then get stopped or, or hindered by by regulation so it can be frustrating but on the other hand you know if you want to sort of target the wall of money that exists in the institutional financial market space you know you have to be regulated there is no way around it or you have to provide products and services that operate in the way that institutions need to operate and that's what we're doing we're kind of you know now we've got something unique in terms of regulation we're leveraging it uh, and providing products and services under under its umbrella which allows us to uh, um, to, to be to differentiate ourselves from a lot of the other players that are out there and, and serve a marketplace that uh, that institutional marketplace that hasn't really been served too directly before Brilliant. So it's a case of um, making sure that all the the different regulation is is in place, mapping your services to those those traditional institutions, um, and also opening up new markets and new opportunities for them um, that they wouldn't have had access to to before in it in a regulated way, which surely builds credibility and um, uh, and will start to garner attention in this space. Yeah, it certainly does, and and um, but it is complicated because you know then you you know we're we're uh, launching a global venue so we can list issuances from around the globe and have trading participants from around the globe. So although we're based and regulated in London, and that's where the marketplace, that's where the services we have operate and are regulated. Um, you know, when you're serving clients from other jurisdictions, you have to worry about them and their regulations in that jurisdiction whether they're able to to do what they want to do with us and you know for us to offer products and services in some jurisdictions you know there is a a sort of a a complex regulatory matrix that you have to navigate you know these things are are not easy once regulations kick in there's also all sorts of regulations that dictate that certain things have to be in place and the way regulated secondary markets have to offer that you know maybe things like blockchain and tokenization could do away with but the reality is whilst regulations um, dictate they have to be there, then we have to uh, adhere to them. And but that is particularly true when you kind of bring a, a foreign issued um, uh, issuance into a UK regulated market. You know, there are some uh, sort of hurdles one has to jump to, to, to make that happen. But, you know, none of this is insurmountable. It's complicated and, and difficult sometimes, but um, finding ways to solve it is actually quite fun. And it gives us um, an opportunity to, to launch products and services to people that haven't been available before. And, you know, we believe over time, you know, regulations will evolve you know that some yes. of the benefits of blockchain and tokenization that can't fulfill their full potential right now will come over time these things take time but we're certainly here for the long game you know it's uh, uh, we, we believe in the sort of the long-term future of, of all that we're doing and and the you know the the real digitization of capital markets 
Brilliant. I think it's sort of, you know, on the one hand, it's sort of educating wider markets around the opportunities that that come with uh, with crypto assets and uh, and, and new ways of uh, of operating these these markets, um, and also but having that trust um, that the the services are are regulated and are um, you know fit for purpose. Um, and I think you know o- over the years there's been a bit of a, a frosty relationship between the more uh, traditional financial institutions and the the new fintechs uh, coming in. Um, and now we're seeing that shift into m- more of collaboration, um, away from sort of com- competing outright to working, um, you know, particularly the the traditional financial institutions with fintech providers to to bring new products and services and uh, and platforms to life. Um, how do you see that evolving um, in your experience? Obviously, you you've talked about building the bridges between those traditional financial institutions and and the traditional um, capital market space. Um, how do you see that evolving and uh, and you playing a part in that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I think probably the starting point for that is education, mm. as, as you've mentioned. I mean, the, the reality is that um, a lot of people in the traditional space don't necessarily understand. I mean, I, th- I think more are all the time, but, you know, there's still a large number that don't understand what it all means. Um, and when, when you sort of mention crypto, people often just think, uh, Bitcoin, drug dealers, money laundering, they have quite a blinkered view, which is quite understandable, really, because, you know, unless mm. you're exposed to it or immersed in it, you wouldn't necessarily understand the the, the, the other areas that, that exist. So, um, you know, I meet a lot of people, uh, former colleagues and peers um, from when I worked in the traditional space. And, and when I sort of say what I'm doing, that's quite often the reaction I get around uh, this blinkered view around Bitcoin. But actually, when mm. you actually take the time to explain what it means and and the different types of um, digital assets that exist and how um, some of these concepts are are improvements to the way that capital markets work currently, people tend to get it. So it's not as though you have to persuade them to believe in something they don't believe in. It's more a case of you just have to educate them about something that um, that they're not too familiar with at the moment. So, um, so, you know, we we have to do, and we we know we have to do a lot of that. And so a fair amount of our marketing is about educating the marketplace. And, And often, you know, the first meeting with people is a sort of a more education one. But people, you know, we we tend to find they're very open. Um, the financial institutions we talk to are very open about what we're doing. They like what we're doing. They can once they understand it, they can see potential benefits and and ways of kind of leveraging what's coming. Um, and also, you know, firms like that. You know, maybe quite a lot of firms don't want to be the first to jump in, but they certainly don't want to be the last and miss the boat. So, you know, so I think you know people keep a watching more and more keep a watching eye on the space and and they want to get involved when the time is right. And, you know, we certainly think that, you know, launching the sort of first FCA regulated digital exchange, um, you know, is a is a milestone for the industry, you know, so and, and will help um, get get more people involved who maybe have sat on the sidelines a bit because um, they didn't believe that the, the market infrastructure was ready for, for institutions to get involved. But yeah, yeah so, edu- so ed- education is certainly a, a key part of it. And so we're always keen to get involved in, in anything that helps educate the space. Great. 
So obviously that forms a core part of your marketing strategy and uh, and communications as well. That education, building trust and uh, and credibility, myth busting and demystifying crypto. Um, that sounds like it's a, an enormous part, and uh, I can see sort of you know how traditional perceptions are are starting to evolve over over time. But I'm sure there are still m- many across the the industry, and and a real lack of understanding, as as you say. Do you um, are you finding that there are particular channels and uh, marketing and communications tactics that that work best for getting those educational points across? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the podcast we're doing today is a great example of a you know very effective way of targeting you know a, a, a quite a sort of niche well not necessarily niche but a very targeted group of people um, mm. and um, having a uh, an opportunity to tell people about what's going on in the, in the marketplace and how we fit into it um, yeah. and you know I mentioned before sort of conferences and events there are you know there are lots of conferences that are quite specific in their focus in capital markets and crypto markets and mm-hmm. so you know being at them speaking at them partaking in panels at them is is a great way to um, also, you know, we work with sort of industry bodies and associations. I mean, for example, there's a entity in the UK called the UK Broker Club, which is an association of you know UK-based brokers, and several hundred members, and and you know they put uh, and and it's really to help brokers get together and learn about different things and discuss different things. And you know, we're working with them to you know uh, to promote digital capital markets to them and answer questions and bring panels together and you know so so channels that that really get directly to the heart of the audience we're trying to communicate with with really helps and then you know then the whole sort of digital marketing and the social media sits alongside all of those three areas i've just mentioned and kind of supports what yeah. uh, what you're doing prior to the event supports you at the event and 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 also a sort of post event follow up so you get you know a number of bites of the cherry um, and, and and sort of leveraging all these different routes is is very effective. Yeah, so an absolutely integrated approach in terms of conversations, um, articles, content creation, thought leadership programs, um, rolled out across different event opportunities, um, and then following up with with that relationship building and and continuing those those conversations, which is is really sort of a, a professional services type approach. Uh, to marketing um but obviously for this this very niche audience so um working with trade bodies and uh, and and various membership organizations that are are leading in that space and are educating and um, and providing that kind of uh, um content and, and myth busting uh, facts and uh, and figures and and introductions uh, must be a really big part of the the strategy um is it going to be an area that you think um, the various trade bodies and organisations are going to focus on more as well? I think there's, there is a, a general interest. I mean, if you kind of look across um, a lot of sort of the marketing channels that are open in the traditional financial market space, be they conferences or news providers or, or, or whatever, you know, a lot of them now have 
you know focus in to some extent on what's happening in crypto and and tokenization and uh, that 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 area so i think you know more and more channels are opening up and want to um, encompass some of these new concepts and new areas to keep their you know their users their members abreast of what, what's happening um, and so you know we're and that's really exciting for us because it means you know we can work with them and provide interesting content and educational material to the, to their audiences um, you know from from what we're doing I mean and, and like you say it's you know from our side it's very much a multidiscipline integrated approach mm-hmm. um, you know we try and use all channels available to us um, and and but the, but then it, it, it then it's really important you know the content then is is really important and really key. And, uh, you know, sort of pulling together, you know, it kind of cuts across the whole of the firm here at Archats because you kind of want the subject matter experts to be involved uh, yeah. because the, the pure marketing is a is a method of getting information out to people. The actual content needs to be really credible and, and interesting and educating and, and, and as well. And so we kind of leverage, you know, the, the whole team here gets involved in, in supporting the production of content to, to, yeah. to use in, in these marketing campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're leading the way in this this space, and in, in terms of your uh, your offering and, and and what you're launching. So, the the thought leaders, the the subject matter experts with it, within the business, need to be be in front of everybody and uh, um, talking about the the right things in the right way. So, those conversations and that and that content will be be critical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, you know, it's a vital part of it and you know in previous lives uh, uh, in the more traditional space you know a content-based marketing campaign campaigns were certainly where we, we always focused you know you, you if you go on about yourself too much and how good you are and how brilliant you are and how, how bad the competition is and people are wise to that you know it doesn't really connect with people uh, anything you say negative about others is ignored and anything you say positive about yourself is taken with a bit of a pinch of salt um, mm-hmm. but you know but sort of it doesn't necessarily have to be educational though that's key for the what we're doing in the, with crypto stuff at the moment but it does need to mm-hmm. resonate it does need to deliver some kind of benefit or explain how you know people can um, improve things or address challenges or, or leverage opportunities and so that that's really um, our focus in what we do yeah absolutely and you know having that knowledge and an overview of the market some some future thinking of where it's going to go um, and you know staying on the pulse of of what's actually happening now um i think that's you know as important as the educational piece and it sounds like it's going to be an important area for you going forwards yes no absolutely it's a sort of a, it, it's a key part of what we're doing and yeah and as i touched on earlier we've been kind of doing it in a almost viral way sort of leveraging technology to do things as easily and cheaply as possible whilst we're sort of building up the products and services that we want to launch but then once we're live and and um you know we will then be you know do more proactive campaigns but use the same techniques but in in a more proactive way yeah absolutely so some good tips there for uh, fintechs who lack the big budgets of the traditional firms or the the, the big global corporates um and are, are very dependent on the on the funding that they they have so that, that almost viral approach in terms of conversations market knowledge um using an integrated approach across the the different channels 
um, and uh, and that education piece with with a focus on on the subject matter expertise within the industry. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, I'm going to ask you uh, uh, a few questions, uh, put you on the spot a little bit um, around your key marketing communications challenges that you think that fintech companies in in their broadest sense will face over the next year or two. Um, And then I'd like to conclude with your top uh, myth-busting points um, around the crypto space, because I think that that would be really good to, to get across in this conversation. Sure, yeah. So what do you think are going to be the, the key challenges and indeed the, op- uh, the key opportunities uh, for fintech? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, one of the challenges fintechs have always had is, um, you know, they're not, not in all cases, but in many cases, they're kind of moving in to um, revolutionize, um, you know, a more traditional space. Um, and disrupt maybe, you know, the way existing uh, things operate. But but obviously the people that they're trying to disrupt often, you know, big firms with huge budgets. So they've Mm. got huge momentum both in their uh, ability to, you know, marketing in terms of their their user base and everything. You know, it's quite quite tough to, to square up against sort of those large institutions with very established institutions and the clout that they have um yeah. so that i think that has always been a challenge and that will um always remain a challenge and i think you know sort of leveraging digital techniques and doing things slightly differently and a bit more virally mm-hmm. is certainly one way of achieving that and, and, and many have done that i think one thing that has happened though over the last year and a half is the pandemic has you know been a terrible thing obviously but it's certainly driven people to do things in different ways and look at uh, different ways of doing things um and uh, and it's certainly proven that you know people can work from home and can do video calls and, and and all sorts of other things you know things that would probably have taken years to have gained traction we now sort of fire around DocuSign documents and zoom calls as if they're kind of normal practice and that yeah. so there has been a huge change um, and that and that is kind of driving people in a digital direction, if you like. So I think yes. actually the world is moving to find new ways of doing things. And that's actually an opportunity for, for many fintechs, I think, to, to actually sort of um, leverage that this new sort of awareness of how things can be different and, and, and you know, and, and put forward their products and services in a, uh, to a community that is maybe now more open to them. And that's certainly something we're finding, you know, it's, uh, you know, this kind of a, a, a completely digital capital market solution is something that hasn't really existed before, but is now probably more acceptable uh, than, than it might have been before. So I think that's probably um, one uh, key area. Um, yeah. I, th- I think also, you know, f- you know, fintechs by their nature to start with anyway, are, are relatively small. And, you know, in a small company, you can't have teams of people doing different things. People often have to wear many different hats. Um, And again, so actually, you know, marketing is, you know, even if you do it digitally and and leverage um, sort of viral marketing techniques, you still need content. You still need materials to put out there. And they do take time. You know, quality Mm -hmm. content takes thought and time to produce and, and, and it involves people uh, other than maybe just the marketing person within a small company. It involves the rest of the, uh, the team, the sub- subject matter experts and executives and the like. And, you know, finding time from them in a small startup company is tough. So there are challenges that, that, that certainly exist 
because of the size of a business and and the the time people have available and and i think those those will remain but uh, but i think you know there is a, a sort of a tend towards uh, real acceptance of, of digital um i think you know the the event space is interesting because there have been virtual events they you know event companies have continued to hold events but make them virtual um and they are successful it, to some degree but uh, you know but in in other respects they're less so i mean certainly you can hold a virtual conference and have panels and speakers and even you can have breakout rooms and everything it, it is possible i think having grabbing people's attention for a whole day when they're not actually physically at, at an event is a challenge and for people who are involved in in maybe sponsoring the event or or being you know um being a, a sponsor of it um they they lose out of that network networking effect that you get when you have a physical presence somewhere you know bumping into people yeah. talking to them the drinks yeah. at the end of the first day or whatever those things not being there um makes the virtual events less effective but i think the chat the problem has been a lot of these conference companies have tried to charge the same amount of money for people to get involved and i just don't think that's you know that's viable really um yeah. i think certainly here in london over the rest of this year there are some physical events restarting some of them are a bit of a hybrid of physical and virtual together which i think is a great idea but it'll be interesting to see how that space evolves i think we'll probably end up with a mix of some virtual some physical some hybrids and probably the pricing models will evolve too so that you know what, what you pay for a physical event is is different uh, to what you pay for just a purely online one and you know that's the way um, it should probably be so um and, but i think again you know one that does happen then virtual events that are cheaper are another great opportunity for smaller firms with lower budgets to get involved in things um i think the other thing that um, fintechs can do and it's certainly something we've done here is you know there's a huge um uh, network of press and you know publications both electronic and and printed still some but there's a whole you know there's all sorts of uh, news outlets there that are constantly um, putting news out to audiences and trying to attract members and you know they are always interested in content they always want content for their services and yeah they can handle mm -hmm. press releases that get sent to them and they do and they have journalists who will seek out stories but actually you know if you can package up interesting information uh, that that that, um, that they can use they love it and if you look at their feature calendars you can see what what they're going to be writing about in the coming months and you can prepare information that can help sometimes you know you'll get quoted in them sometimes you'll get you know full articles published but you know and and, and generally this is free because it's their journalists looking for information and and the relationships you can build with the press and with journalists are hugely beneficial too because then they will come to you to get quotes or to ask for opinions or um and so there's a lot of sort of free pr that can be achieved by sort of building networks works on the press and journalist side of things and and leveraging what they're trying to do for their audiences um yes you can sponsor you can pay and sponsor publications or put adverts in them or whatever and that's obviously an option and, and something you can do if you have the budget but if you don't there's still many ways to get involved in things without having to pay out money all the time yeah absolutely as you say if you've got that network of of journalists and and editors and uh, you know you, you know which media are are tapping into your key audience um and then you've got something to say you've got got interesting content that that you can create with various subject matter experts or you know having a an opinion and a, a voice and uh, interesting developments that are happening in the in the marketplace and that that's a, a great free opportunity to uh, 
to really get your name out there and uh, and uh, again sort of set yourself up as as this authority on the marketplace. Yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely true. It's all about kind of you know establishing a brand and getting your positioning in the in the marketplace right, and then sort of balancing promote self promotion with educational or informational type uh, type marketing um, as well. And 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 then you know and it's not purely about written material. You know, it's not just about articles and tweets and uh, um, um, uh, and, and press releases and the like. You know, video is really important too. You know, I mean, you know, video, certainly a well constructed video can you know gets much higher rankings through you know Google and SEO type solutions than than pure printed material. So it can be beneficial to to do the take the video route. Obviously videos are a bit more, you know, they take more time to prepare and you know maybe a bit more costly depending on how you do them. But um certainly I mean you know we have a, a video that sits on our Archac site and it's probably one thing that gets people when people meet you, they might they they kind of say to you, "Yeah, really great video I saw on your on your website." It's pretty rare for them to say, "Really good press release I saw on your website." You know, yes. so video certainly has a an impact, you know, and, and mm-hmm. an effect, and and you know, it's quite a statement. You know, a slick video it makes quite a statement about a company. It shows you're pretty serious and credible and everything else. So it's important to uh, you know to have a mix of all the different types of material that you have at your disposal. Absolutely, yes. And potentially working alongside the, the trade bodies and other industry participants to collaborate on, on, on particular conversations or, or, or content across the various different channels and, and, and media types. Um, again, sort of, you know, be, being a leader in a particular industry opens yeah. up various channels in, in that sense as well. Yeah, and I think I think that's very true. I think you know working with those kind of bodies is really important, and also material that has a you know a decent shelf life is important too. I mean, you know, yes. you know, typically when you put out a press release, you know, it's it's kind of out there for a few days. It gets reported on. Obviously, you put it on your website, and then it's you know its shelf life dies off pretty quickly. But you know, podcasts like this, or or video, you know, videos of uh, panel discussions and things like that, they they can quite often have a much longer shelf life because you know they get put up and people who weren't able to listen to them live if, if it was a live recording originally um you know they they sit there for a much longer period of time and, and have a much longer shelf life so you know maybe they're a bit more effort and sometimes they might cost a bit more to produce but um but they're great for you know for longevity yes definitely and again as you mentioned so people can can review in their own time um, everyone's so so busy, and, you know, particularly in, in financial services. It's uh, being able to to put these these conversations and and points across in a way that um, can be downloaded or easily accessible at um, at times when that they can actually um, get in front of it and take the time to digest the information that's being discussed. Um, rather than, as you say, sort of always being able to attend a, a live event, whether that's virtual or, or in person. Um, so I think, yes, definitely the, all these di- digital areas are, are a real opportunity. And, and as you say, they, some may t- take more time than others, but um, it's a cost-effective way of, of getting in, in front of the, the right people in the right way. Um, so it's definitely a, a, an area to explore. Um, and I think that there's still great opportunity there for uh, financial firms and, and fintech startups and, and, and new players in the, in the space to, to really be quite creative there and, uh, and start to carve out a niche. 
yeah definitely no totally totally agree with all of that yeah Brilliant. Well, I mean, we've covered so much. Uh, and thank you for sharing all of your uh, your points about uh, the, the way you've been, been marketing your um, uh, your company ready for launch, how you've been talking about uh, previous guises and uh, and previous campaigns and um, and talking about the, the market more widely, um, which brings us on to the, the final questions um, in terms of the your top myth-busting uh, facts, points, figures, uh, whatever you'd like to, to get across um, uh, around crypto. What, what do you really want financial institutions to, to know about, about this space? Sure. I mean, I think, um, I, think it was, uh, I don't know where to start, really, because there's so many things and it kind of depends on how far up the learning curve people are. But I think yeah. some of the key things are that, you know, I mean, you know, whether you believe in cryptocurrencies or not, you know, I think they're here to stay. They are different to uh, traditional currencies and different mm -hmm. to traditional stores of value like gold, maybe. Um, but um, just because they're different doesn't mean to say they're wrong. Um, they're clearly quite volatile. You know, the Bitcoin mm -hmm. price has been all over the place, but there's a lot of people that have made a lot of money. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, I think they're an interesting addition to a portfolio and should be considered not as a replacement for existing uh, investment opportunities, but for a hedge or, or something different um, to, to look at. So I think, uh, I think you need to approach them with the right kind of mindset. Um, yes. And then, you know, they're, they're just part of the sort of the port, uh, sort of toolkit of investment opportunities that's, uh, that, that's available. I think also uh, another thing, the way I was sort of talking about a little bit is, is in a way, Bitcoin was maybe like a, a proof of concept as well. It's kind of off, you know, mm. it's operated as proving how things can be done differently. And off the back of, of what Bitcoin has pioneered, you know, you, we do have this concept of tokenization, you know, creating tokens on a blockchain that represent fractions of ownership in, in an asset. And that asset could be physical, like, you know, real estate property, or, or it could be virtual, like, you know, shares in a company or something, you know, it's just a, it's really a, a technology. It's not um, tokenization isn't necessarily a new asset class. It's just a new technology, which, you know, we believe is a more efficient way of handling things than, than is done traditionally in, in financial markets. And, and with a new technology comes sort of new opportunities to do things differently. Um, for example, because it's a cheaper, maybe more efficient way to, to um, operate uh, financial markets. It means that, you know, things that maybe didn't get opened up to a broader investor pool in the past can be now. Uh, and this whole tokenization concept of, you know, um, you know, uh, people are looking at it to innovate and open up exotic asset classes to people to to enable them to invest in them. So yes, there's lots of fund tokenization projects and, and real estate tokenization projects, but also there's things like, you know, people tokenizing portfolios of racehorses and art and diamonds and portfolios of classic cars. You know, there are sort of ways of getting exposure to things that currently are pretty hard to trade and also help bring liquidity to things that are you know currently fairly illiquid so i think that's um you know that's you know that's all really interesting and, and it's important to kind of understand you know, that, that all those opportunities exist as well and then i guess the other thing is you know um which we haven't really touched on yet and we don't want to go into in too much detail but is this sort of DeFi space this distributed finance area uh, where you've got all sorts of um interesting new things around 
around you know staking and lending and and providing you know automated market making solutions in this distributed uh, where there is no sort of central counterparty or market it's all very it's all it's all a distributed totally distributed architecture you know we think that is really interesting at the minute it's it's kind of the real um almost the wild west it's kind of the bleeding edge of of what's happening in the digital world there's all sorts of things being pioneered people questioning whether all of it is credible and believable or not but you know markets always start like this and then then they slowly become established and that's certainly we're certainly looking at the defi space and and thinking about ways we can bring our regulatory capabilities and our you know kind of our institutional knowledge and understanding of, of the controls and process that need to exist and sort of overlaying that into onto some of these concepts that are being uh, explored in the defi space and sort of you know producing like regulated defi um products and services so that's certainly something that you know you'll see more from us on from from next year so i think you know it's uh, it's exciting to understand this natively digital financial markets world you've kind of yeah. seen it happen in so many other segments you know you kind of look at what amazon has done to the retail marketplace what uber and airbnb have done to travel and you know booking places to stay uh, what you know netflix has done to video spotify to music you know the digitization it, yes. people people question whether it will ever become established but before you know it it does and the capital markets have been electronic for a long time but they've never been na- natively digital and that's what we're you know pioneering and hope to um, you know lead the charge with with our partners and others to because we think it's a really exciting uh, opportunity that exists in that space yeah, absolutely. It's really exciting uh, seeing that uh, that move to digital uh, across um, financial markets, um, seeing uh, investments being conducted in a in a different way, um, and and some of the examples that now are, are commonplace where industries have have moved digitally. Um, it's it's fascinating and it's it does seem like a very exciting uh, opportunity and uh, I think being able to bring credibility and uh, and regulatory clout and uh, and expertise um, and, and that knowledge and expertise across financial markets um, is is the way to to approach these these new areas this uh, the new wild west as as you described it I really like that analogy. Um, so uh, we wish you um, all the best of luck with everything. It sounds like you don't need it. You're very well prepared, um, but um, it, it's a, a very exciting time. I think it's an exciting time for the industry as as we're seeing traditional financial services and uh, new uh, fintech capabilities collaborating, creating uh, new opportunities across the market. And um, things are only going to evolve and uh, and start to build in, in in this area. So it's it's great to be seeing uh, things play out at, at the forefront. Great. No, thanks very much for uh, allowing me to join you today. Uh, it's been really interesting uh, talking about it. And yeah, we're very excited about uh, what's happening in this sort of digital capital market space. Brilliant. Thank you, Simon. Really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with us today. I know it's a busy time for you and it's very, very hot here in London. So, uh, yes, I uh, appreciate you uh, having a, a very full and frank conversation with us and uh, we'll be in touch again soon to, to talk more. Thank you. Thank you.